0: Six. On 2FN. Yes, big love to Africa Connell for filling in for the two Johnnies and kicking off the weekend in entertaining fashion. It is Friday, October 21st. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up this evening, it's another pivotal weekend of association football. Alan Colley and Fergal Brennan are standing by the chat. League of Ireland, Women's National League, English Premier League and this.
1: Kia the FIFA Women's World Cup draw will take place on Saturday in Auckland, Tamaki Makoto. 32 teams, 8 groups, 4 teams per group. No two teams from the same qualification zone except Europe can be drawn together in the same group. It's easy, right? Watch it all live on FIFA+. Plus. wa!
0: And you can watch it all live on RT2 as well. Yes, tomorrow morning we'll learn who the girls in green will meet at next summer's Women's World Cup. And speaking of Irish success stories, we'll update you on our medal hall at the European Boxing Championships as Kelly Harrington has won in the last few seconds there. And there's progression for our cricketers at the T20 World Cup. There it is,
2: the victory in fine style. Tucker chipping down the wicket and away it goes for four eyes are smiling and they'll be smiling as this tournament goes on because they go from round one to the super 12s they win here against the two-time champions the west indies by nine wickets
0: We'll hear from the Irish camp in Australia very shortly on that. Plus, we'll hear Leo Cullen on Leinster Munster, Jane Mangan on horse racing, and Stephen Higgins on a doping ban for tennis star Simona Halep. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can do so by texting us on 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Hello there. Good evening. It is great to have your company. We'll be chatting to Kevin Byrne, uh, boxing journalist uh, with the Irish Sun, very, very shortly. But just uh, time to say hello to Mary Poppins, Alan Colley. How are you? You had a few issues with the umbrella on Sunday down in Waterford. Yeah, the Wally with the brolly.
3: you remember him? Poor Steve McLaren. Yeah, I hope it doesn't follow me around like it followed him. But yeah, um, you've,
0: you've recovered. You're indoors. You're, you're keeping
3: well. I'm and safe and well now, Shane. I'm not fighting with any umbrellas this week, but uh, good fun down in Waterford. But all in the day's work. So. All in the day's work. Exactly. Uh, you'll be
0: chatting uh, Association Football, big night of League of Ireland, mm. big weekend of the Women's National League, Women's World Cup draw as well, and a couple of uh, small news stories in the Premier League to say the least. couple Jared, of small ones, yeah, all right, Jeff, small very small, ones. minor. Alan Colley, we'll be chatting to you very, very shortly, uh, but first we can uh, cross live to Kevin Byrne, boxing correspondent with the Irish Sun, because Kevin, it's been a pretty decent day for Irish boxers at the European Championships.
4: Hi Shane, hi Alan. Yeah, it's been a fantastic day for that team over there in Montenegro. Kelly Harrington is just out of the ring now after um, becoming the fourth Irish boxer of the day to make it to the European Championships final. She's just uh, picked up a unanimous win over Donjeta Sadiko of Kosovo in a bout where she was tested. I wouldn't say pushed to her limit, but she had to. She had to, you know, dig deep to, to win. But she still has. She still has more to come, more more class to show, and she's saving her best for the final. I think uh, tomorrow, she became the fourth Irish boxer to make the final today after Caitlin Fryers beat uh, after Caitlin Fryers had a great win earlier on against an Azerbaijan opponent. Um, Amy Broadhurst did what Amy Broadhurst did and, and won in style against Sarah Bram of Croatia, and maybe a bit of a surprise package, Christina uh, Christina Desmond. Uh, she's kind of in the tournament because Lisa O'Rourke is, is injured, the, the reigning world champion, and Christina Desmond took her chance and she put in one of her career best performances today to beat an Italian by the name of Melissa Gemini. She was just just way too good. So she She's played there's four Irish finalists so far, and there could be another one to go as well because in about 20 minutes or half an hour, Aoife O'Rourke, the reigning European middleweight champion, is in action against a Swedish boxer, Love Holgersson. So you could have five finalists tomorrow in what's going to be a pretty magical day, as suppose, for Irish boxing.
0: Absolutely, and Michaela Welsh and Shannon Sweeney will take home bronze medals. Um, good performances and, and decent fights from from that duo.
4: Yeah, um, Shannon Sweeney was up first. She got she kicked off the day, and I guess you know Ireland would have been desperate to begin with a win. But I saw Shannon Sweeney did well to pick up bronze from this tournament, and she was up against a very experienced opponent, Sevdasanova from uh, from Bulgaria. Who we have a phrase, there's a phrase in boxing, you kind of, you can old man an opponent. Well, this, this lady of 37, she kind of old woman Shannon Sweeney because Sweeney boxed really well, quite aggressively, landed a lot of punches, but just the skill of the Bulgarian around the ring, just to impress the judges with a few cheeky shots and, and, and her shot avoidance as well was just enough to pip, uh, Sweeney. The, the Michaela Walsh fight was really intriguing I thought she put in a great performance against a girl, Irma Testa who beat her last year at the Tokyo Olympics when Michaela Walsh didn't really get going she didn't really sparkle, I remember even Kenneth Egan noting it in the studio afterwards he would he would have liked to have seen her go out with more of a fight well she really took it today to Irma Testa I thought personally, now probably through green, maybe through green tinted glasses but I thought she did enough to pick up the verdict today, probably thought she won two rounds to so one, a lot of the lads I've been talking to as well and People on social media seem to agree, uh, but she was unlucky, and I'd say she'd be very disappointed with that result. However, a bronze medal at the European Championships is a good consolation, but Michaela Walsh enters tournaments to win them, like she did in the Commonwealth Games earlier on this summer. So she'd be disappointed, but she put in a great performance, and, you know, she's still on track for a good uh, display at the next Olympic Games.
0: Absolutely, bronze medals not to be uh, scoffed at so looking ahead at tomorrow I know I appreciate I'm probably asking you to look into uh, the future but Broadhurst, Desmond Friars, Harrington and hopefully uh, Aoife O'Rourke as well what are the uh, prospects for these boxers in a European final?
4: It's looking pretty good for the team Um, I think Kelly Harrington has a Czech opponent I I don't have her name to hand but I'll be banking on Kelly Harrington to win a gold here Uh, Amy Broadhurst will have a good test against the Ukrainian Maria Bova won medals at the top level, as, as has Amy Broadhurst, but I'm not backing many boxes against Amy Broadhurst there, so I'm looking at two goals there. Uh, Caitlin Friars has a difficult assignment against the Turkish world champion, so she's done really well to get to the final. Tomorrow might be a step too far, but who knows? She's she's really impressed out there with her fighting spirit. Won a couple of split decisions on route, route to the final now, which she's going to be in, so she's a little warrior from Belfast. And Christina Desmond, she's probably just floating on air at the minute. She's got an Armenian opponent, Annie uh, Hovsepian, whom Lisa O'Rourke beat at the World Championships earlier this year, and like, Desmond is looking really good, she, she looks like she could pull it off as well it's hard to back against Aoife O'Rourke as well, because her form, she seems to have really worked on her game since the Tokyo Olympics last year, she would have been disappointed with her early exit as well, you know, probably people were thinking she could get on the podium and she didn't, so I think Aoife O'Rourke is a, is a woman on a mission here, and I'm looking forward to seeing her performance in the next half an hour
0: I am loving the positivity, um, Kevin. And from anyone in the boxing world that I chat to as well, I like we all know about Kelly Harrington and, and what she's achieved. Indeed, uh, the O'Rourke's and Desmond and Friars are hopefully names that we'll, we'll be hearing plenty of. But Amy Broadhurst, I mean, this seemingly, from the outside looking in, is just an exceptional talent that is just going to rise and rise.
4: Amy, what, what a year Amy Broadhurst has been. She's having one of the most magnificent years a, a sportsperson can have. She won the World Championships earlier this year. Then she won the Commonwealth Games, and now she's one fight from winning the European Championships. It's it's form like that that won Michael Conlan the uh, RT Sports Personality of the Year back in 2015. He won the Europeans and followed up with the Worlds. Well, Amy Broadhurst is, is about to possibly win the both of those with the Commonwealth Games on top as well. It's extraordinary, um, and you know she's re- she's really uh, she's out to impress. She's out to be- She's out to really beat her opponent. And I have like professional boxers from England because like women's boxing has taken off worldwide, there's a lot of fans of the sport out there and there's a lot of people looking for the next breakthrough professional boxers and people are looking at Amy Broadhurst and saying when she turns professional after the Paris Olympics are over whether she makes it there or not, she's going to really turn heads.
0: Okay good stuff. Uh, Kevin, we might check in with you a bit later if uh, Ifra work Uh, she's due out at around quarter so we're on air to seven so stand by your phone but for now, uh, Kevin Byrne uh, Boxing Correspondent with the Irish Sun thank you very much. Game on tennis. So it is time to talk tennis with Stephen Higgins from Cross Court View because Stephen, two-time Grand Slam champion Simona Halep failed a doping test at the U.S. Open. The International Tennis Integrity Agency has announced. Stephen, what is happening?
1: Yeah. So Simona Halep's roller coaster of a season has ended with a loud thud as the former one and two-time major winner has been provisionally suspended for a positive doping test. The International Tennis Integrity Unit has confirmed that the 31-year-old tested positive for FG4592, or Roxadustat, at the US Open in August. Halep, who had ended her season in September due to a combination of exhaustion and the need for nose surgery, was informed of the positive sample on October 7th, and just on Roxadustat. It's legitimately prescribed for people with anemia as it helps with the production of red blood cells. However, USADA, the US Anti-Doping Agency, has warned about its use by athletes as it increases the delivery of oxygen to working muscles to increase endurance performance. Okay,
0: well, it's not something uh, I was expecting to uh, hear today. But what has been Simona's response? Because she's, she's defending these accusations, I'm assuming.
1: Yes, so as soon as the news was released, the Romanian vehemently defended herself. Halep called it, quote, the biggest shock of her life. Further, quote, throughout my whole career, the idea of cheating never even crossed my mind once, as it is totally against all the values I've been educated with. She went on to say, I will fight until the end to prove that I never knowingly took any prohibited substance, and I have faith that sooner or later the truth will come out.
0: Okay, good stuff. We'll be interested to see uh, how that one develops. Just before you go, Stephen, I know you're uh, on an early flight to Basel tomorrow. Looking forward to uh, what you, what you were hoping was going to be Roger Federer's swan song, but not quite.
1: Yeah, after the emotion of the Labour Cup uh, Roger Federer was expected to have some sort of presentation at Basel his hometown tournament where he started as a ball kid has won it about 10 times but apparently it's too emotional a situation for him okay. so he won't be present however thankfully Carlos Alcaraz and Casper. You'll Stewart, finally get to see I'll Carlos Alcaraz get, see, get yes. in there <laughs> uh, So a whole host of really big names it's an HP 500 next week so yeah very looking forward to
0: it Happy days Well, safe flight and uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, chatting in the future about that event and about uh, Simona Hallop and how that story uh, developed Stephen Higgins thank you very much before we take a break just a couple of other news headlines to get through um, Ireland of course stunned the West Indies by nine wickets and Hobart to book their place in the Super 12 stage of the T20 World Cup and send the two-time champions crashing out the team next face uh, Sri Lanka on Sunday in the first of their Super 12 games before a meeting with England next Wednesday and we'll get uh, some reaction after the break on that uh, historic win for, for Team Ireland there so very well done to the cricketers we'll also hear some uh, Leo Cullen audio ahead of Leinster Munster tomorrow uh, of course Ulster's match in South Africa is called off and Connacht are due in action in just over an hour's time they kick off at 7.35 uh, away from that in football in Barrowclough has been sacked as Northern Ireland manager after a dismal Nations League campaign saw fans turn against the 51 year old um, in a very obtuse story I like this one Ajax have been fined after the goals used for their women's Champions League match against Arsenal were found to be 10 centimetres too small the Gunners players alerted the Dutch club's ground staff to the issue during the warm-up to the second leg on September 28 which the English side won one nil to seal a 3-2 aggregate victory and a place in the group stage the UEFA control and ethics disciplinary body fined Ajax 1,500 euro over the incident I can just imagine Alan Katie McCabe going over here
3: <laughs> what's the story here lads what's, what's the crash that's the crack that's, those, the, those that's the, the part that sticks out there for me Shane is that they alerted the the officials so yeah. that's very sharp eagle-eyed stuff to be, to the players because obviously you, you normally have a walk on the pitch beforehand and walk around and assess your kind of surroundings and what the pitch looks like it's it's kind of routine for every player to do that but How I are you can't say I've test? never gone down and checked the goals <laughs> I have to say so for them to spot that that's real eagle-eyed stuff I like it Arsenal
0: Women's team, professional to the absolute limit. Alan Colley, as I say, we'll be chatting soccer. Uh, Won't be chatting uh, small goals and whatnot. We'll have a a few more bigger storylines to get through. But as I promised, uh, we'll hear from uh, the Irish cricket team, and indeed Leo Cullen, a few moments' time. Stick with us here. Game on, Two FM.
5: R T E. Two FM. Game on. Cricket.
0: Now you're very welcome back to Game On As I mentioned just before the break uh, Ireland stunned the West Indies by nine wickets And Hobart to book their place in the Super 12 stage of the T20 World Cup And after that famous victory Irish Times journalist Nathan Johns spoke to Ireland's uh, Lorcan Tucker Who hit the winning runs to clinch that memorable
6: victory
5: Game On Cricket
6: I'm here with Ireland's with Lorcan Tucker You've obviously watched a fair few big World Cup wins, um, 2011, 2007, it's probably the first one you've been a part of. Mm-hmm. How does that fail? Uh, well, it's been a big part of my upbringing,
5: I suppose, as a cricketer. You watch all those tournaments, 2007, 2009, 11, 14, and 15. at all. I suppose you always was always getting out of school early and watching those those tournaments. I never thought I'd be a part of them. I suppose I was lucky enough to get involved. as. As a cricketer and do well through the youth setup and, and then that came about <laughs> to be part of it now it's it's a bit surreal i think it's amazing i think <laughs> the opportunity we get as an Irish team, it's fabulous to be part of these tournaments and then to, I suppose, achieve what we've done in this week. I think it's amazing and it's something
6: that'll take a while to sink in. If you got out of jail a bit against Scotland, considering you needed the big partnership at the end uh, to get there, this was much more dominant, much more complete performance, suggests you're trending in the right direction as a side. Yeah, well, I said it to Curtis there in the change room after the game. I think
5: special credit to him. We wouldn't have had this opportunity to get through to the next stage without his innings and George the other day. So I think that's that's where we've we've done the hard work today we put in as Andy said in the press conference a much more complete performance. Um, everything kind of worked for us, the bowlers bowled brilliantly and then the batting looked after itself. I think it's something we've been looking for all season. We've had some some great performances and not necessarily the results, but now it looks like that those results are coming and, and hopefully they'll keep going throughout the tournament. Actually,
6: the top order kind of missed out a little bit in the in the first two games. How pleasing is it from your point of view, obviously coming in at number three to, to come in with that 40-odd and, and yeah, see off, it home?
5: It's brilliant. We put a bit of pressure on the lower order and Curtis and, and George, I suppose, they came in when, they, when we needed them to. It's always nice to contribute, I think, when you're at the top order as well. That that's the key lads in that team that are, can set up the innings for the rest of the boys. Um, so to, to do it today and to, to look after the rest of the team in that kind of way, I think it's something that we'll be looking to do more going forward so we can set up that back end of the innings when we need it for those lads that are coming in later.
6: And finally, we saw you on the TV there giving your dad a hug. Obviously, your two of your brothers are over here as well. How special is it to share it? With? It's incredible. Firca travelled all the way from
5: from Vancouver to be here, and my family from Ireland to the rest of them, and all the other supporters. I think it's so special. We were worried after the first game against Zimbabwe that we weren't going to put in a performance the rest of the week. Those things, those kind of bad thoughts come into your head. but. After the performance on Wednesday, I think it was against Scotland, and then it was—it was that took the pressure off, and we could go out and just relax and play today. And it's so brilliant that you know all those supporters can can come and watch us, it'll be special for them, and it's special for us as well.
0: So that was a very level-headed Ireland wicketkeeper Lorcan Tucker. Now to find out what's up next for Ireland in the T20 World Cup, RT Sports Andrew O'Connor has been speaking to uh, reporter Nathan Jones, and they began the chat uh, starting with how big the latest win was for Irish cricket as a whole.
6: Well, look, any time you beat the West Indies, aside with that history, it's it's massive for, for a country like Ireland. Look, they've changed the way T20 cricket has been played, and obviously everyone knows their, their history in, in the game, so it's massive. Look, they're a side that has been struggling of late, the West Indies, so perhaps the result isn't as big a surprise, but nevertheless, beating a team like that at a World Cup, you can't put a price on it.
0: Now we've qualified in second place from Group B, Zimbabwe obviously winning the group after their victory over Scotland today.
6: What faces Ireland and can you explain the format of the Super 12s for us? Of course I can, so Super 12s, it does exactly what it says on the tin, there are 12 teams left in the competition. All the so-called higher ranked nations that Ireland now go and join there are two groups of six of Ireland are in one of them hence hence 12 teams and they now start their they haven't got much of a break they're back in action against Sri Lanka on Sunday now there are obviously six teams in the group so plenty going on but the headline event now for Ireland of course is that they get to play England uh, in Melbourne and that's at the Melbourne Cricket Ground the, the historic ground there so that's coming up next Wednesday and that's the highlight of what's going to be a busy two weeks of cricket with five games for this side
0: Now, Ireland will play some of the biggest teams in cricket around the world, but in this format,
6: we do have a chance of winning every game, don't we? Oh, well, it's very hard to win five games on the trot in in 2020 cricket. It's a shorter format, so... It varies much more. The skill set varies from, from game to game a lot more. Look, you had a major tournament uh, when the, the games are so short and they come so fast, all bets are off. Ireland were looking to be targets. Probably two wins. They, they probably think Sri Lanka and Afghanistan, Afghanistan who they bet in August at home, are probably two games that they really think they can win. And look, if they can get a bigger scalp such as Australia or England, that makes it even better.
0: So great news uh, for the Irish cricketers and some great positivity I'm sure we'll be hearing plenty uh, more over the uh, course of the fortnight Andrew O'Connor posed a question there Alan tonight,
3: and that uh, these are matches that we could win them all would you share that positivity? Absolutely yeah uh, because T20, T20 cricket Shane uh, always gives you a chance gives you an opportunity when you think of obviously the previous game as well when it looked like we were down and out and, and came back and unbelievable innings from the lads and then I was watching a good bit of it this morning as well it was absolutely brilliant mm. and they were so comfortable especially against West Indies I know obviously they've had their troubles in recent times but still that's a hell of a scalp and they get themselves into the The Super 12s now it's absolutely brilliant and the games that are coming up another guaranteed five games and in with a chance in every one of them so I'll be glued with you in
0: absolutely Uh, as I'm sure many of our listeners as as will I be so yeah some really really good news there um, for Irish cricket moving on to rugby Uh, as I mentioned earlier Connacht are in action this evening with a 7.35pm kick off at home to the Scarlets Ulster's game tomorrow with the Sharks is off as is Glasgow's meeting with the Lions after both the Ulster and Glasgow squads are suffering from gastroenteritis. So unfortunately, uh, some postponed games there, but the big one tomorrow down Lansdowne Road, it is of course Leinster versus Munster. Uh, and team news Johnny Sexton Kieran Frawley will both start for Leinster uh, tomorrow Leinster skipper Sexton returns it out half with Frawley named that fullback Munster are without Ireland forwards uh, Peter O'Mahony and Tyg Burns. they make eight changes to decide the claim that morale boosting win over the Bulls you can uh, see full teams on the RT Sport website but we can hear from Leinster manager Leo Cullen who was up in front of the media today
7: yeah like it a huge game yeah for, for both teams um it's great to be here at TV, but like I believe there's going to be a huge crowd as well, so um, on a nice day, it hasn't been fantastic this week, but um, uh, conditions are meant to be good for tomorrow, um, and yeah, like it's, you know, when there's an Irish squad announced during the middle of these weeks, there's always, everyone has to be able to deal with the consequences of selection and, and non-selection in some cases, um, but it's, yeah, we've, we've had a good week now, we're looking forward to playing here, we're looking forward to Plenty of people, as I said, in front of a big crowd. Um, another Derby game. Um, and uh, you can see how hotly contested the Derby games have been so far. So um, we're sort of the fortunate to just get out with a win last week against Connacht. So we're expecting a real physical challenge. Um, that's what we've tried to prepare well for this week. Um, because we think there'll be a huge physical challenge coming from Munster.
0: Should be a titanic tussle. Bernard Jackman was uh, forward selling it there in yesterday's uh, game on, which you can uh, listen back on all the good podcast services because some really good points made uh, by Bernard Jackman. Uh, Leinster Munster is, of course, if you're not attending it, you can watch it uh, on RT2 and the RT player from half four uh, tomorrow. Or you can listen uh, to live commentary on RT Radio 1 or follow the live blog on RTE.ie. Soccer to come, Premier League, Women's National League, League of Ireland, and we'll be looking ahead at the Women's World Cup draw, which, of course, will. Feature the Republic of Ireland.
7: RTE
5: 2FM. Game on. Football.
0: Hello once again. It is great to have your company on this uh, Friday evening as we turn our attention to football. Alan Colley still live in studio and Fergal Brennan joins us uh, live on the phone as well as we uh, begin our conversation with Premier League. And Fergal, have I come to you first? Um, We mentioned Ronaldo and the saga yesterday, but starting with Stephen Gerrard Aston Villa, of course, hunting for a new manager after Mr. Mr. Gerrard was relieved of his duties following Thursday's 3-0 defeat at Fulham. Gerrard leaves uh, Villa teetering precariously above the relegation zone having collected only 9 points from 11 Premier League games this season it's not that much of a surprise is it uh, Fergal?
8: No, I think this has been in the post uh, for the last week or so uh, I actually thought the defeat to Chelsea last weekend would have been the end of him but sometimes when there's a midweek game teams just kind of muddle through and wait to make the decision a little bit further down the line I think if there hadn't been a midweek game the, the Fulham defeat yesterday I think he would have been sacked uh, before the weekend game against Brentford to come um, and it's been difficult for him particularly in the last month um, results as you mentioned have been been tough to come by and it's it's difficult to put your finger on exactly what has gone wrong uh, he was given money in the summer I don't think he's wasted it I think some of the players he brought in have been good he's had a bit of bad luck with injuries but I just I, I don't really feel there's an awful lot of spark going on around his style around the way that they're playing and the players that he's brought in like I said I don't think he's brought in bad players but he's not really brought in that many players that you think oh they'll take them up a level they'll take them from mid-table to a to a European challenger Felipe Coutinho is probably the best example of that on paper very talented but kind of suffers from that loan-itis of when he's on loan he's very good because he's eager to impress and get the contract and then when he comes in permanently he's just a bit okay and, and that's been the, the situation for Aston Villa um, so far this season I still think Looking through the squad, they've still got plenty of talent there. I think if they make a quick appointment and the right appointment, which is the most important thing, as a replacement for Gerard, they should be safe from a relegation battle in the in the weeks and months to come. But in terms of Gerard, I, I think uh, he, he's learned a bit of a harsh lesson here. Obviously, he had a lot of success with Rangers, but the Premier League is incredibly difficult and, it, and it's ruthless. Um, four or five Negative results in a row tends to be about the lifespan for most mid-table managers, and that's been the case um, in terms of Aston Villa hunting for a manager. Mauricio um, Pochettino has turned them down, so uh, they're, they're looking elsewhere. As it stands, the Sporting Lisbon manager Ruben Amorim is the is the favourite as it stands, and potentially Sean Dyche making a Premier League comeback.
0: I was reading a good piece in the Athletic actually um, this afternoon on, on how Jared was sacked in Craven Cottage, but then he had to go back to Birmingham on the team bus with the players after. <laughs> Alan, I'd say that was fairly awkward. But but listen, like I mean, Jared's points per game was practically identical to Dean Smith's. I, I suppose
3: the writing was on the wall. But are you somewhat surprised at the timing, Alan? I thought he would have stuck it out till maybe the World Cup and obviously the break that comes in that then and just kind of uh, reset then and just see where they're at in terms of maybe trying to bring in a couple of players in January also but the fact that you're under so much pressure and you go to Fulham who are newly promoted now Fulham are a decent enough side but when you go to Fulham who are newly promoted and lose in the manner in which you did when you're under the pressure that, that Gerard was under I wasn't surprised after that Shane but I thought he may have stuck it out I still think it's a bit early he's only in there since November now obviously the results and everybody will tell you it's a results, results business mm. as we know two wins out of 11 is not great they're a bit toothless Fergal mentioned the spark and a lack of spark they've only scored seven goals Danny Ings Ollie Watkins he was kind of bouncing from those and, and and they're decent strikers but that's about it like you know in terms of uh, they're not going to fire you to, up to, to the European positions where exactly they want to be so um Obviously, the Coutinho thing didn't work out, Buendia. And you look at them, to be fair, and he's trying to fit those players in and you wonder what is the identity of the team. Because there's moments in the games where I think Villa are, are very good and certainly against some of the better teams, the recent performances against City and Chelsea. I think they're, they're they're playing quite well and they're in the game. But either a mistake at the back or the lack of maybe scoring or taking the chances when they create them has obviously undone Gerard here. Um, but I still think it's a bit early, I have to say, Shane. He's only in the job since November Um but the, but the fact that they got beat last night so heavily, and not only getting beat by Fulham, the manner in which they got beat, he came out himself afterwards and said they were nowhere near the standards in which he sets. And obviously he sets high standards, as we know. Um, Douglas Louise let him down as well with the sending off. I thought the sending off was a bit soft anyway. But once you're down to 10 men, he lets him down as well. And, and in a lot of cases, you're relying on players. He had, the obviously, the issue with Mings at the start of the season. Doesn't mm. fancy Mings, takes the captaincy off him. But you're never going to have him on side then you know what I mean I wouldn't play him if you don't fancy him and you don't want him which he obviously doesn't don't play him because yeah. he made a mistake at the weekend he made another mistake last night he obviously scored the OG and, and that relationship was always soured from the start of the season so there's a couple of things where I'm sure Jared I look back like all managers when they lose their job they look back and maybe say look I could have done this differently I possibly should have done this but I still think it's a little bit early for the fact that he got sacked uh, I would have kept him in the job maybe till, till the World Cup anyway
0: Okay, it was interesting. Jürgen Klopp was asked about uh, Stephen Gerrard's departure uh, on media duty
7: a little bit earlier on today. We had a little exchange this morning, um, but not... not, nothing too deep or nothing... um, not a long conversation, and... um, no, I can imagine that it's uh, disappointing for him because of the ambitions he had and the the, the the things he wanted to achieve with Aston Villa, and it's obviously not cool. But I don't think we have to to worry now about Stevie, and it is uh, how he set himself yesterday after the game. He knows the game long enough, and that's the things the things these kind of things can happen. And how is life? It's all about we all get knocks here and there, It's all about how we respond. Yeah, he will. Be back 100 percent. Um, but now I hope actually that he takes a bit of time as well for him, because since he finished his career, he's pretty much working all the time. If I'm right, so maybe use it as use it now a little bit for himself to recharge. Said last time I saw him, he's.
0: So it will be interesting to see uh, what next uh, for Steven Gerrard and what next for um, Aston Villa. Fergal, uh, speaking of managers, I think it's fair to say Eric Den Haag has handled himself pretty well. The club have backed him, considering the uh, Ronaldo saga. Uh, he, Den Hag has uh, come out to say there has to be consequences after confirming Cristiano Ronaldo refused to come on as a substitute uh, against Tottenham on Wednesday. Like, what do you make of all this, Fergal?
8: I'd agree. I think given the situation in front of him, I don't really think Eric Ten Hag could have handled this any, certainly any differently, probably not any better than than he has. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has been at a big question mark swirling around Manchester United since probably June or July and it's the last thing that Eric Ten Hag wants he's already under pressure coming in to take charge of Manchester United and looking to steer them back on the road that they that they want to be on we know that Ronaldo wanted to leave he wanted to play Champions League football this uh, this season that didn't come to pass depending on which line of argument you believe of whether the offers on the table weren't what he wanted or whether the offers weren't as forthcoming as maybe they were made out to be I would say the truth is probably somewhere in between um, he wanted to play Champions League football but he, he also wanted the situation that suited him. Um in terms of not coming on the other night I think everyone would agree that's just not acceptable um for a Premier League footballer and particularly for someone of the the profile of Cristiano Ronaldo it, it, it's just not good enough. Um and in a club suspension is is pretty standard protocol in this type of a situation. He won't play against Chelsea this weekend. He's not training with the first team. Um, and that could be an indefinite thing. And obviously as Alan mentioned there the the winter world cup kind of throws a lot of this out of, uh, out of kilter because there's only three or four games between now and the start of the World Cup. His focus will be on Portugal. If we get to a situation where maybe he could come back into the squad, he might actually say no again because he doesn't want to pick up a knock because this is his last World Cup. So I think we have a very strong possibility of, of Cristiano Ronaldo not playing for Manchester United again, certainly before the World Cup.
0: Will be interesting to see And as you mentioned Chelsea Man United The evening kickoff off on Saturday And unsurprisingly A lot of the narrative Around Eric Ten Hag's press conference today Centred around Cristiano Ronaldo
8: the, bots, uh, the talk If you ask about that Is between Cristiano and me uh, So the statement is also clear I think Do you feel that He will be able to play a part Moving forward Obviously he's not available this weekend Do you think he will be part of your team Moving forward Yes, uh, it's also in a statement. Eh? He remains uh, an important part of the squad. Eric, did he refuse
1: to come onto the pitch on uh, Wednesday night? Yes. A couple of weeks, uh, in the, at the start of the season, you uh, reacted to a game against Rayo Vallecano and said it was important for players to stay and support their
8: teammates. And so after Rayo Vallecano, I thought uh, it's
3: uh, unacceptable, but he wasn't, not, he wasn't the only one, but that is for everyone. So when it's the second time, uh, that will have consequences. That is now what we did. And uh, So we miss him tomorrow and, uh, and that is a miss for us, for the squad. It's a miss, uh, but
7: I think it's important uh, for, the, for the attitude, for the mentality
3: from the group and now we have to focus um, on, on Chelsea and that is the most important I like that Bit of bite Alan Bit of bite And that's what's needed If you're managing these top clubs With top players With big egos You have to let them know Who's boss Klopp does it Guardiola does it This is where for me Solskjaer let himself down So many times Indulging the superstars Letting them walk all over him And to be fair to Ten Hag Since he's come in Shane He showed them who's boss Particularly Ronaldo I don't think he wanted Ronaldo If Ronaldo had been gone In the summer I think Ten Hag would have been happy Mm. The fact that he stuck around He has to manage him He's played him in, obviously, the Europa League games, gave him his chance in a couple of the league games, took him off last week against Newcastle, and he's shaking the head like a spoiled little baby. Then he The, the stuff during the week was absolutely embarrassing for Ronaldo. One of the best players we've ever seen, there's no doubt about that, and he's had a phenomenal career. But you can't behave like that, Shane, and you are, you should be setting an example to all the other hmm. younger lads around the place as well. Now, I know Ronaldo's come out with that kind of watery enough statement yesterday. Oh. not A nothing statement, yeah. really. But I think Ten Hag, I think it's been a really good week for him. The performance against Spurs they played really really well probably the best rounded performance I've seen from Man United both defensively and offensively in a long long time Shane I have to say I thought they were very very good against Spurs Spurs were poor albeit but I thought United were very very good and then obviously the way he's handled this situation I think he's been fantastic and hopefully it's onwards and upwards for him
0: Hopefully. And good riddance, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Quick fire, Premier League predictions. Uh, Fergal, I'll come to you with Sunday's matches. Alan Colley, going to start with Saturday with yourself. Nottingham Forest, Liverpool. It's the 12.30 kick-off. I'm assuming you'll be backing Liverpool here to continue their good form. Liverpool. Liverpool. Uh, Everton
3: Palace at 3pm. Alan Colley. Will, will we see the bounce from some, whoever takes over now who's in charge is it McAllister or someone well, or Everton going? Palace Everton Palace oh, sorry, I I feel like, sorry. Uh, he's struggling he, well. he might be he we is. might be having this I conversation go next Palace. week about the bounce Palace,
0: Palace and then yeah. Lampard could be gone as well uh, Man City will surely bounce back against Brighton uh, at 3pm as well yeah
3: Brighton are struggling since Potter has left can't score a goal yeah. back to the old Brighton
0: back to the old Brighton and the new Man City and then Chelsea Man United 5.30pm minus Cristiano Ronaldo who will win that one United United oh okay uh, Fergal Brandon moving uh, swiftly on to Sunday, uh, Aston Villa versus Brentford. Who do you reckon will come out on top? Uh,
8: Brentford, little stumble from them in midweek, but Villa are a mess. As you say, whoever takes temporary charge uh, over the weekend, it'll be difficult. Yeah, they're at home, but Brentford have looked really good this season, so I'll go for Brentford away win. Leeds, Fulham? Uh, Fulham. Uh, Leeds still can't really get it together they're creating a lot of chances but they're missing a lot of chances and full full of confidence obviously beating or battering Aston Villa last night I think they'll have enough to to get a positive result there Shane can I quickly jump in here
3: I think he'll be the next to go I watched Leeds last night and they were absolutely appalling in the second half two points out of 21 three defeats on the bounce now they've only scored four goals in those seven matches as well they were dreadful defensively they're so bad
0: OK, so Jesse Marsh under pressure, perhaps Frank Lampard under pressure. Uh, in a word, Fergal, Brennan, then Southampton, Arsenal? Uh,
8: Arsenal.
0: Arsenal. Wolves, Leicester? Uh,
8: Graw. I think Steve That's Davis on. has been quite steady and Leicester
0: are still having problems. Yeah, it's nice to see Steve Davis uh, was back there. Daryl, 2pm kickoffs, and then an interesting one, unfortunately we have no time to uh, chat more about it, but 4.30pm, Spurs poor, poor performance midweek in Newcastle who are visiting Saudi Arabia for the sun and nothing else according to manager Eddie Howe, who will come out on top on that one.
8: I fancy Spurs to get a bit of a reaction. As yeah. Alan said, they weren't great against United, but at home I'd, I'd fancy them to win.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, I would sincerely agree uh, with that. Fergal Brennan, you've been tasked with explaining <laughs> the Women's World Cup draw, which you can uh, view tomorrow from half seven in the morning on RT2 and the RT player. A Women's World Cup draw, Fergal, that the Republic of Ireland are going to be in.
8: Yeah, uh, thankfully this is a bit more straightforward than the uh, intercontinental playoffs that I had a, a crack at explaining a few weeks back. This <laughs> well, is way more straightforward. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is a lot uh, a lot easier. Uh, four pots of eight teams, which eventually gets uh, turned into eight groups of four. Pot one, two, three, and four. Republic of Ireland are in pot three, uh, 24th in the FIFA rankings. They're the third highest in pot three. So New Zealand and Australia have been given automatic uh, pot one status and they're already placed in the draw. So they're going to be uh, A1 and B1 respectively going into, uh, going into the draw. So they're already designated as it stands because Portugal are one of the UEFA teams in the Intercontinental Playoffs. The three intercontinental playoff winners are all in the fourth pot. But because you can only have two European teams in one World Cup group, that will be a little bit of an issue for for FIFA to manage when they're pulling the teams out. um, Because Portugal obviously can't be paired with two other European sides. Um, It could fall quite kindly for Ireland based on the situation with the host nations. Because Australia and New Zealand are very good sides but they're not nearly on the level of the other teams in Pot 1 United States through to Spain are the top six teams in uh, international women's football so they'll be the six quotes to avoid for Ireland in the draw it won't be the end of the world particularly when you look at the positive performances against Sweden in qualifying but New Zealand or Australia so Group A or Group B will be a positive start and then looking in Pot 2 Canada are the highest seed South Korea are the lowest so you'd tip for South Korea and then obviously Pot 4 There is a bit of uncertainty because the Intercontinental still haven't been settled, but you've got uh, Morocco, uh, Morocco, who are 76th ranked, and Zambia, who are 81st in FIFA rankings. So they would be the best, I'm saying this uh, all in quotations, that would be the best case scenario for Ireland. But forget about who is is pulled out of the draw. It's all about positivity, first ever World Cup, the the huge wave of uh, excitement that's that's flowing in behind them. Bring on the draw and bring on the World Cup, uh, whoever it may be.
0: Absolutely, Fergal Brennan, pleasure as always. Alan Colley, I know you're looking forward to it, but from the Women's World Cup to the Women's National League, because I have to give this a mention, it is once again going right down to the wire. Last year, Shelburne snatched the crown in in an astonishing final day after they beat Wexford Youth and Piedmont United slumped to a 5-2 loss against Galway. Nobody thought we'd be seeing anything like a repeat of that, and yet, here we are. Twelve months later, with an even more dramatic climax on the cards, four teams can still be crowned champions, with just two games to play. Alan Colley, it is a remarkable scenario that promises plenty more twists and turns
3: It's absolutely incredible Shane to think here we are again 12 months on and last year on the final day was one of the most dramatic days I've seen in, in football in a long long time and as I said to think here we are 12 months on it's absolutely brilliant four teams involved Wexford sitting on top with 55 points Shelburne on 54 p on 52 and Atlone on 52 but tomorrow the big match is p versus Wexford Utes P-Mount are at home they obviously have to win to stay in the title race if that was the case they'd move on to 55 with Wexford on 55 Shelburne are home to Sligo Rovers, who you would fancy to beat they should beat um, and then that would go into obviously the final day next week with both Shelburne and Wexford youths level on points and they're playing each other Shane and then throw Adlone into the mix and this, they could be the dark horses <laughs> because Adlone are on 52 points but they're not playing against any of the rivals either tomorrow or next week so if they were to win tomorrow against Bohemians away which you would fancy. Them, they could go into the final day of the season at home to Galway with a great chance of winning the league so all will be revealed next week but it really is amazing to think that there's four teams involved uh, going down to the last two matches
0: Absolutely and Athlone Shell's meeting in the uh, FBI Cup final mm. as well so Shell Sligo Tolka Park 2pm DLR Waves Treaty United UCD Bowl 4pm Cork City Bohemians down in Turners Cross 5pm P.Mount United Wexford Utes the big one PRL Park 5.20pm and Athlone Town versus Galway in uh, Athlone Town Stadium in Lizzie Woolen at 7pm so from the Women's National League to the League of Ireland a big big night uh, in the League of Ireland and our man Eric White is up in the Brandywell for Derry versus Shell's uh, Derry team you've tipped to possibly win the league Alan
3: so before we get your thoughts let's get the thoughts of Eric White A cup final dress rehearsal that means more to Derry than Shelburne. The Candy Stripes have won their last six league games in a row without conceding a goal and sit six points behind the leader Shamrock Rovers with the game in hand. Will Patching returns from suspension, having missed last Sunday's F.A. Cup semi-final win over Treaty United, a result which keeps them on course for a possible double. Aside from long-term absentee Kieran Harkin, manager Rory Higgins has no fresh injury concerns. Without a league win in nine, Shells did win here earlier in the season, but they surely now will have one eye on that Aviva showdown. Damien Duff will have to make at least two changes from their win away in Waterford as Matty Smith, on loan from the Candy Stripes, cannot play against his parent club, while striker Sean Boyd is suspended. With Sligo to follow on Monday night, it's a crucial weekend in Derry's title bid as they aim to keep the pressure on the leaders. Kick off at the Ryan McBride Brandywell Stadium is at 7:45.
0: Matty Smith missing I fear is going to be a big blow for Shells in the cup final and this evening as well and Sean Boyd suspended with just the 12 yellow cards Alan you know just the 12 yellow cards <laughs> Sha-
3: Sean season. Boyd right <laughs> I watch Sean Boyd most weeks and honestly he annoys me shit. but if you were on his team and he was one of those lads you'd love to have him on your yeah. team but 12 yellow cards I'm not what surprised in the slightest
0: Come here, um, I know that's a, a tug of cheek comment but on a serious note uh, you you think Derry will will make this a title race and possibly you know obviously Derry playing Rovers next week. Rovers have um pats in a Dublin Derby this evening in Talla. I I personally think Derry will uh, defeat Shelburne this evening, but you're you're back in Derry Alan You're sticking yeah, with it?
3: I've said it for the last four or five weeks purely based Shane on the fact that Shamrock Rovers had that European obviously um fixtures to contend with and I always felt it might catch them out at some point. And that was the case last weekend in Drada where they were held to a one all draw. Mm. Um because it's very very difficult to bounce from Thursday to Sunday, Thursday to Sunday at this stage of the season as well. Um, so I always gave Derry a chance in that regard. That's exactly what's happened. They have to obviously look after their own business, which they've done up to now. They've been unbeaten in the last, um, I think it's six wins on the bounce, but they're unbeaten in 14 in all competition. So they're on a hell of a run, but they have to do the business again tonight. I think Pats could take some points off Shamrock Rovers again tonight, and then you could be in a situation next week if Derry were to win their both games, and they're tough games, don't get me wrong. Shelburne, I think, might be slightly easier tonight, purely based on the fact that Shelburne are in the cup final mm. so they can concentrate on that Shane uh, and I think Derry obviously it's so important as Eric said there to them to get the three points tough one again on Monday night but if they were to win the two games they're playing Sly Rovers and I think they will they could be in a situation going into the game next week against Shamrock Rovers where if they beat Shamrock Rovers, they could overtake them. So yeah. it's 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 obviously it's if ifs and buts. But last last a few weeks ago, when you would have thought obviously Shamrock Rovers were well ahead before the European stuff, you probably wouldn't have given Derry a chance. Now that now that we're in the situation where Raymer Shamrock Rovers have obviously slipped up because of the European thing and they've given Derry the chance, next week we could have that shootout and we spoke about the women's league coming down to the shootout it could be the case again next Sunday and that's live on telly as well so big game for Shamrock Rovers at home to Pats tonight Pats are on an unbelievable run themselves to being flying Tim Clancy that's a really tough game for them and then as, as I say Derry to come next week so all to play for it's going to be a really exciting end to the season for us as well and as I've said five six weeks ago I gave Derry a great chance
0: will be interesting to see briefly before I do want to ask you about Declan Divine and Bow so briefly Rovers will beat Pats despite Pats no. being banging for no. no no draw draw Okay, well that was a proper title race. Um, Declan Devine will take charge of Bohemians for the first time against relegation-threatened Finn Harps. What do you make of the appointment and how do you envisage his stay at Bohemians going?
3: Yeah, it was a surprise appointment, Shane. Um, Obviously there was a lot of names bandied about and Declan wasn't one of them in the race to appoint the manager and I think there was four or five other names ahead of him. Then when Declan's name was called out and he was appointed. I was surprised, to be honest with you, because he wasn't really in the mix. Mm. We've worked with Declan many times and he's a really good fella, very passionate about the game. He, he was keen to get back involved if the job was right. And I think from his point of view, rather than from Bohemian's point of view, I think it's a brilliant job for him to to get back in after, obviously, him being sacked at Derry, to get back in. Because Bose is a very attractive proposition now for a manager. There's lots going on off the pitch that's very, very good. I know the issues on the pitch at the moment, hence Keith, Keith Long losing his job. But they still have the guts of a decent enough squad and he can build on that in the off season as well so I think from Declan's point of view it's a brilliant job for him to get from Bose, I'm not so sure to be honest with you Shane okay. because I never thought he was their number one target and if you're going down five, six, seven down the ladder to get your manager I'm not sure if that bodes well either
0: OK we'll be interested to see how it all unfolds Derry Shells Rovers Pats Dundalk Sligo Boas Harps UCD Drogheda all 7.45pm kickoffs this evening and in the First Division Cork will be presented with the trophy at home to Bray Galway host Longford Treaty host Wexford and Athlone are in Waterford again all 745 kickoffs. Alan Colley will be chatting League of Ireland plenty and we'll be chatting the FAI Cup final between Shelburne and Waterford in due course You're still well. buzzing I'm still buzzing Alan Colley thank you very much we're going to be chatting horse racing in a few moments time with Jane Mangan. 2FM.
6: Game on. Racing.
0: Now before we chat racing just to issue an apology to Derry City fans I did mention it was Waterford versus Shelburne in the FAI Cup final of course it is Derry City versus Shelburne of all topics for me to be spreading misinformation I'm shocked and appalled but Jane Mangan lots to look forward to in the world of horse racing um, starting with Cheltenham Rachel Blackmore uh, will miss this weekend due to a fall but there are plenty of Irish present at Cheltenham this weekend who do the big guns have running Jane?
2: Ah, well the big ones are well represented but I was glad to see John McConnell clock up a double at Cheltenham today it was rain sodden, the ground was heavy and that is where the Irish horses tend to come into their own so in the shape of Seddon ridden by Ben Harvey and Fenner Cross ridden by Simon Torrance John McConnell clocked up a double and he could well uh, clock up a few more winners there tomorrow but the main event tomorrow is the Masters and Holding hurdle it's a four year old hurdle where you see some of the stars from last year go head-to-head. It's a small field, just five runners, but we do see two horses who re after dead heating in a Grade 1 at Aintree. It was a bit of a dramatic finish at the time when Davy Russell on Pied Piper and Paddy Brennan on Night Salute went to the line, only for the stewards to eventually split them, deeming that Pied Piper had caused a bit of interference to Night Salute. So we're going to see the rematch tomorrow in their seasonal reappearance. There's a Handicap chase at 3.15, that's of obvious interest for Irish fans because many eyes will be on Dad Lad for William Mullins and Brian Hayes, a winner of two starts uh, two to go and ran well last time. And Efren Fizz as well for Keane Collins. That mare has been a bit of a revelation since moving to Keane Collins. Sam Ewing aboard the bottom weight there. Gardnelli is re- represented across the card. He's got Poseidon in that chase. He's also got Salvador Ziggy in the pretense uh, qualifier hurdles that would be a warm order in the shape of shoot first for Philip and Charles Burns. That horse looks like he could still, still be well handicapped and has a very attractive racing weight. Tom Gibney's got Story Rory in there and the novices chase, you mentioned Rachel won't be riding, she won't be on Life in the Park. Dara O'Keefe comes in for that spare, but I think Gordonelli will be well represented here as well. If he turns Ash tree meadow out again after a hard race today, I'm not sure, but Chemical Energy looked good when he won at Lestow last time. and. He might be well up to, to going close. As I mentioned, John McConnell, well represented. He's got Mahler Mission in that race. And he's also got one in the bumper as well, with Tom Scudamore aboard, Encanto Bruno, a winner of a point-to-point point and a winner of a bumper last time as well.
0: Happy days. Plenty of positivity and some good news emanating from Cheltenham as well because the, uh, the big festival staying as a four-day festival, which uh, will be music to many people's ears. But Jane, closer to home this weekend, plenty to look forward to at Leopard Sound tomorrow.
2: There is for sure. I'll be at Leopardstown tomorrow. I'll be having one eye on Cheltenham, but I will be working on the flat. The 3.10 tomorrow is the to knock-air and stakes. The track a big field of 15 for this listed contest. It's a very well-competitive um, uh, renewal of the race. Thorn is one in there for Aidan O'Brien and Jamie Heslin, But I think Billy Lee and Colin Keane are the story here. They're in a protracted battle for their j- jockeys' championship. Billy is on 84, winners. Colin Keane on 85. Billy's got Marsha Lord in this and Colin Keane's aboard, power under me. And to be fair, probably the most exciting race of the day is the airfield stakes for the two-year-olds. Seven runners, three of them from Aidan O'Brien, one Joseph, uh, one Dermot Well, and one from Jim Boulder. And I think Village Voice will be interesting for Jessica Harrington, Colin Keane aboard that. We must mention as well, tomorrow is the Virgin Futurity at Doncaster. Uh, August Rodan represents Aidan O'Brien in that. He's also got Salt Lake City in there with Wayne Lorden aboard and fancy that Dunnock O'Brien might bring off a Group 1 in St. Clue where he's got proud and regal the Mount of Gavin Ryan so there's still a little bit of flat racing they are Group 1s they are very important but when you say Cheltenham is back on heavy ground the winter is here
0: The winter is here as well and that means the Limerick Munster National on Sunday very briefly uh, Jane should be a belter
2: Should be a belter could have a local result there with donkey years for Eric McNamara and JP McManus Looks well in the big dog as well. Sure to run a good race for Peter Fry. Conditions now coming in favour. Early doors, a wave. sea all have high weight, but I'll be looking down the bottom. And I think Donkey Years might be one to give the locals something to shout about
0: okay good stuff Jane Mangan thank you very much just to update you on Work's fight is into the third round um, she lost the first round won the second round and she's boxing very well in the uh, third round so stay uh, tuned to RT Radio Sports Bullens to see how Ifo works gets on the European Championship Sinead Stephen Higgins was a broadcast coordinator Ronan Lawler was your producer I've been Shane Dawson have a great weekend